This morning, before we get into Acts chapter 2, um, verses 42 to the end, we're going to have a presentation. Uh, we've mentioned this before about Ninos con cameras. Laura, did you want me to show the presentation first and then you want to come up or do you want to introduce it? How? Either way. <laughs> okay. Okay, why don't you go? This is Laura. She's going to be sharing some things with you. Welcome, Laura. Um, thank you, everyone. I wasn't sure about a format and which way to start it. I first wanted to say thank you to Sam and Corrine for inviting me, and of course to the praise and worship team. That was phenomenal. I was so blessed. You guys, great job. <laughs> so thank you. Um, thank you again for inviting me. My name is Laura Norshavitali, and I think you have the backdrop. Sam and Corinne had been down to Vizcaino Baja. I'm actually attending Cornerstone Ministries up in Napa, freezing Napa. I bundled up today. I realize it's so hot down here. Um, I've had the opportunity to serve down in Baja for uh, over four years now, and I am by trade a black and white photographer. Uh, my testimony is like this. I came to the Lord about four years ago, reconciled my life over four years ago to the cross, Part of that um, serving has been so much a part of my life. I had prayed about and asked the Lord, you know, what can I do to serve and what are the gifts and the talents that I have? And basically it was my photography. So I knew that it was going to be rebuilt under the Lord as my heart as well. And so when I approached um, Bill, Pastor Bill Walden, um, who's our pastor in Cornerstone, I had said, you know, I have this gift and talent and I'm reconciling my heart and let me reconcile my work. And basically, he said, come on down. Be the eyes for the congregation. And so basically, um, that's how it happened. And traveling down to Baja, I became the eyes for the congregation. I have been shooting documentary work for the leadership conference that Pastor Sam and Corinne had been a part of. And um, one of the things that God had done for me was giving me this beautiful parable, um, knowing I had a gift and a talent, and what do you do about it? So the parable goes like this. It's in Matthew 14, 13 through 20. The story is, after the Lord found out about John the Baptist being beheaded, he set out to find some quiet time of solitude. When the multitudes found out where he was, they followed after him. And upon seeing the masses, Jesus had compassion for them. Then he started to heal the sick. Later that night, the disciples came and said, Lord, it is late. Send the multitudes away to the villages so that they may buy the food. Jesus answered and said, do not send them away. Feed them yourself. But they replied, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them to me. And he lifted up his hands and he blessed the food. He gave it back to the disciples. They fed the multitudes and they were satisfied. That parable was so important to me. God spoke that over to me because I knew that the missions field was a part of my heart. I wanted to serve in Mexico and become the eyes. And um, I had told Pastor Bill about this story. And I said, you know, the Lord just laid that parable on my heart. And I realized that from that parable, four years later, which is today now, um, this beautiful ministry developed. It's a camera ministry for children who actually live in the farm worker camps down in Vizcaino. Down there, we support them because we buy our strawberries, we buy our tomatoes. These people and these women and men are amazing. Um, Two years ago, when I was serving at a leadership conference, 
the pastor's wife, Lourdes, approached me and she said, come on, I want to take you someplace. This was a downtime in between the conference. And I had my camera in my hand, and I just remember it so distinctly. And I said, where are we going? And she goes, we're going to go out to the rancho. And I'm thinking, rancho? I heard about it. And when you're in Baja South, it's these long roads. You know, they're just stretches, and all you see is desert and farms. And you basically know about it, and you know that there's you know, migrant worker camps, you know that they're picking the strawberries and the tomatoes, but you don't really have a connection. They're just there in the distance. So I knew about it, but I wasn't sure about it. So I go into the van, and we gallop in just the two of us, and we drive out. I was a little nervous. I was a little bit scared, apprehensive, but I realized that God had a divine appointment for me. So we basically got in there, and we shut the door. I took my camera, packed it away, started walking into these compounds, I mean, I felt like I was in Auschwitz. I've never been to Germany. I don't know what Auschwitz likes, but that's the only feeling that I had. It was cold. It was stark. It was very distant. It was very reclusive. We go through the entrance gates. We got permission to go in, and it's really difficult to get in. They really don't want outsiders in there because some of these corporations are owned by American companies. The living standards are definitely sub. They're very less than, um, as we walk through the threshold, I just remember my feet were anchored, and I had this feeling like I'm home. I just knew that God had a plan. So basically we started walking around these little small alleyways, and they're just streets, what we call, but um, little compounds, dirt, um, just mud, debris, everything. And I just remember walking with Lourdes, and as we were approaching some of the apartments, you know, you just, you're kind of humble, and you're just sort of reserved, and you don't want to really disturb them. And I just remember seeing these children running all over the place, no shoes on their feet. And then I was thinking about it in my head, and I was like, the apartments are here, and about three football fields away are the bathrooms. And I'm a mom with four kids, and I kept thinking, what are the kids doing in the middle of the night when they've got to go to the bathroom? There's no bathrooms. They have to take their kids, like, you know, 20-minute stretches. I remember smelling stenches of just buckets of debris all over the place. My heart was really gripped at that point, and I just was just praying. And we walked into the apartment, and I was, like, stunned because they have these really small, maybe two-by-two pieces of wood that they use for kitchens. No running water whatsoever. A small little gas heater with one burner stoves, um, one bed in the middle of the apartment. I mean, it must sleep about six to eight people. And then cardboard boxes where they were getting their clothes out because they wanted to get dressed up. They knew I was a photographer, so they wanted to put on their fine clothes. They had cardboard boxes for dressers. I basically was walking, and, and as I'm gripped, realizing what these people are enduring, um, washing clothes on cement slabs. I'm looking at these cement walls, realizing that the weight of those stones, I mean, couldn't match the weight of my heart. And so basically what ended up happening was I just, you know, slipped on my humble pants and I just extended my hand out. I embraced all these women, embraced these children. I was so moved and I just tried so, I just remember being challenged to assimilate that was normal for them. And here I am in the States going, I couldn't do it. You know, I'm like, Lord, I can't do that. How do they do that? And so, and I remember questioning it. My friend Reed is here with me, and she's been traveling to Baja, too, for four years. And she's Hispanic. And I'm thinking, why am I here? Why isn't she here? You know, she speaks the language. She knows the women better. I'm like, why is it me? And I kept questioning it. And then I stopped. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm questioning God's authority. I'm questioning what the plan was that God had for my life. And the reason why I can say this to you now, after all these years, is that 
I was moved by compassion. That was the one thing, the one bridge that got me there because God said, you have a heart of compassion. I'm going to show you compassion. God gave me compassion, and that's how I knew that I was there. And so basically what I want to share with everybody are two things is that I'm here to represent a gift and a talent. And I know each and every one of us has something, whether it's large, small, it doesn't matter. God gives us a heart of compassion. And so my walk in this, as I was there, was not a matter of, okay, I have these gifts and talents, what do I do? My walk now is that how am I going to take what I have in obedience, patience, through the Lord? And the only real way that we can ever accomplish anything in this time is through Jesus. Because in John 10, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and out and find pasture. If we simply apply that verse to our lives and we stand correct in the Lord, he'll direct us and bring it back to him. Matthew 19:26 says, With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The Lord knew the disciples couldn't feed the multitudes unless what they had, they had to bring to him. So let us ask ourselves, Give it to the Lord and watch him. We can touch so many lives that are waiting to be blessed, but seek his kingdom and these things shall be given to you as well. I am blessed in knowing that God has taken what I have to offer and to serve him and to have my vision outwardly as a photographer. I hope to captivate and inspire others, um, revealing an intimate walk with you in the Lord, with whatever he has for you. I want you really just to look at the work that you're about to see before you. Definitely, I just pray for blessing in your heart. I want you to be transformed because as a photographer, um, the camera project is basically me going into the camps. Um, I give the children disposable cameras, Fujis and Kodaks. They are amazing. Their vision, their images, their imagery, it is such a blessing. And so as a servant right now today, um, I have the presentation it's all of the children's work that they've created over the past two years. Um, later on, I have a small table assembled in the back, and we're selling greeting cards of their work. And the proceeds will go back down. I'm putting together little care packages for Christmas for them, little Jesus bracelets and things like that. Um, I'm praying about going back in January and making this a full-time ministry for those children. So thank you so much, and God bless. I encourage you to go to the table and talk to Laura about more of what she's doing if you'd like to be a part of it. Again, there's some of the cards there if you want to help that. Proceeds will go to helping the kids out. It was great when we were there in Viscayeno. We got to put together some bags of rice and beans and flour. Bags of flour was fun. Uh, got a little messy, but it was fun, uh, especially when you get teenagers involved. Uh, but if you'd like to know more, please go down to the table there and look at those things and uh, can, you know, pray about how you can be a part of that. You know, there's a few things that are just uh, coming to my mind with this. One is how great God is at working us together with the things that he enables us to do. I'm a firm believer that if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. 
And each of us have things that just strike a, a, a flame underneath us that just ignite our passion and our desires and our vision. And I believe that those things were given to us by God. And when we make Him our delight, those things that He has imparted to us, He's able to take and use in some way. We limit God so many times by what we think and has been projected, perhaps, of what ministry is. I mean, what what a great thing to realize ministry is giving disposable cameras to children. It's also something that is passionate in Laura's heart. And God says, yeah, I can do that. And he molds those things together and this comes out of it. And so don't limit God and what he puts within your heart because he's created you with those desires, with that vision, with those things that are important to you. And he wants to use those things. First, delight yourself in the Lord. When that happens, he can utilize those things. Another thing that comes to mind is something as I've been kind of for looking into our study on God among us and looking at Jesus. And I won't go too in depth on this because this is going to be one of my studies, but realize that God loves more purely than anyone, that God cares more deeply than anyone, that God feels pain more profoundly than anyone. There is 6.5 billion people on the earth. And most of them have an aching, hollow, empty feeling that torments them. And God feels that as if they were each his own child. And he's asking us to be a part of his family. With that understanding of how much God loves, how much God cares, how much God desires to reach people, and then his inviting us to be a part of that family. What does that mean to us? And that's a question I want to leave to each of us. What does that mean to you? How does that move you? In what way does that move you? So pray about these things uh, in your heart. And again, go visit that table. And I pray that your heart is moved to realize that God is at work and wants to work. And we're going to even be looking at that this morning a little bit. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Does anyone need a Bible? If you need a Bible, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Acts chapter 2, we're going to start at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, And to prayer. 
everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Set the table a little bit. We see that on this day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and ignited those believers that were there in the upper room, 120, and it spilled out into the streets as the people heard the sound and heard them speaking in these other dialects, these unknown tongues, except they were known to those people from those regions. And then Peter gave an incredible message and 3,000 people came to faith in Christ in one day. And as they came to faith in Christ and were there at the city, they hung out and stayed there. This is something that just is remarkable that happened. It was, a, again, a, a filling and an empowering of God's Spirit upon the lives of all these people. And for those of you who are curious my shaving cream of Barbasol is still going. <laughs> and for those of you who weren't here, I'm sorry. Or actually, for those of you who were here, I'm sorry. I don't know. Either way. But there was this empowering and this powerful work of God that was taking place in the lives of these people. And so they were hanging out. They were staying together. And as they were there together... They devoted themselves. And that idea of devoting themselves is they were continually devoting. It was something that they kept on doing. They kept on going back to that. Have you ever gone to a restaurant or something and you eaten something and it's like, oh man, it just, oh baby, this is, you know, whatever it is, these ribs, whatever it is, you, you go there and it's like, man, I got to come back here. And you continually devote yourself to Lucille's or whatever it is, that restaurant that you go to. It's like, this is a part of my routine. I like this. I want to be there. Right now, my son, Daniel, he's living in Orange County and he's got a pass to go to Disneyland. It's one of those year passes. And he and a bunch of his friends got these passes. And so they go to Disneyland like almost every night. It's like... Because they can. The parking is included and, you know, you get to go. And so there you go to his Facebook and there's new pictures of him on Disneyland's Buzz Lightyear ride. You know, I mean, it's a he's got like 20 of them. It's like, what's he doing? This is fun. I want to go there. I want to be there. And this is what was taking place. Something incredible just happened and they wanted to be there. And so they continually devoted themselves to these things. And there's a few things that they continually devoted themselves that are mentioned for. One is the apostles' teaching. Now, why is this so important? Well, if you're going to find out about something and you're going to find out some in some depth, you want to go to the source. 
You want to go to someone who actually knows what they're talking about. And the apostles were the ones who spent the last three years with Jesus. They're going to the ones who were there with him. Remember in chapter 1 when they were deciding who was going to take the place of Judas. They had a requirement. If we're going to fill his shoes, it's got to be someone who was with us from the time of John's baptism to the time when he ascended. That was the requirements for him to fill. Why? Because he needed to know what Jesus did and what Jesus said so that he can be trusted with these teachings. How many times did Jesus say, you have heard it said, but I tell you. What was he doing? He was giving clarity to what the scriptures declared. You've heard it said, but I tell you. In other words, this is the meaning. This is the heart of God concerning this passage. And so those who were the apostles knew the heart of God as it was displayed through the person of Jesus Christ. And so they devoted themselves to their teaching because these guys knew the heart of God because they had spent time with Jesus who declared the heart of God. And so they needed to go to the source with these people who were with Jesus for that time because they knew what this was about. They're the ones who were tapped into the things of God through the person of Jesus. And it's great because as they were there, they, they devoted themselves to listening to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the fellowship. The word is koinonia. We get our word communion from it. Community. Having in common. And, and that's exactly, they, they had something now in common. Jesus has united them. They have seen the truth of who God is. And the teachings of Christ now united their hearts. Many of us have experienced this when we, we come to faith in Christ and then we maybe go to family like we're going to be going to Thanksgiving. And you go to a family gathering and, and you've got this faith in Christ that's just powerful in your life and you want to share it, but the rest of the family isn't on board with you. You know, they're, they're not on the same place. They're, they're not concerned with the things that really are important to you and you find yourself all of a sudden, wow, We used to be so close, but now something's happened. It's not that you don't love them. It's not that you don't care for them. But the things that are real important to you, they're not aware of. And it sets this gap between you. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. Where a member's own household will be those who are against them because they began to rebel against Christianity. Here they're meeting in the temple courts. Later on, they were going to be ostracized and kicked out of the temple courts because of persecution. And they were going to have to flee. Because all of a sudden, who do you have something in common with? Well, it's with these other people who are talking about Jesus and who have this faith in God that we have. We have this in common. There is fellowship. There is unity. And it's important. You know, a redwood tree grows to be about 350 feet tall. 
but its roots are only about six feet, sometimes even only four feet deep. Think about that next time you walk up to next one of those things. But redwood trees don't grow isolated or just alone because their roots also can spread out hundreds of feet. So even though they're shallow, they go out. And when they're in groups, they intertwine with each other. Alone, a redwood tree wouldn't take much wind to knock a 300-foot tree down. But together, its roots lock together and it doesn't move because it's supported by the other trees. Well, it's same true with us. We are supported and strengthened by one another. As we go through this list of things that they devoted themselves to, they are very much interconnected. That they're attached to one another. I mean, the next one is breaking of bread. We just talked about communion, and now we're talking about breaking of bread. Aren't they similar? Well, they're very similar. And breaking of bread included but was not excluded to the remembering of the Lord's table. Remembering, keeping Jesus as the focal point of their gathering. So they had gathered together. They had this in common and they would partake of the Lord's table, remembering, even as Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So they would gather together and they would keep Jesus center of their focus. The reason we're here together is because of Jesus, because of what he's done. His death on the cross for us has forgiven us of our sin, has dealt with the penalty of our sin. That's why we're here together. And that remained a central part of their gathering. Let's face it, that's why we're here is because of Jesus. That's what has united us. And so as they would come together, they had these things in common. They would get together, understand the teachings of Jesus through the apostles, remember Jesus through the breaking of bread. They had him in common. And then it says... In prayer, they would pray. Go through the Gospels and see how many times prayer is connected to other people. Mark 11. If you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And right after he says that, he goes on and he says, and if you hold anything against someone, forgive them. It's right there. They're connected together. You pray God can do anything. Your prayer is connected to how you effectively deal with one another. Husbands, dwell with your wives according to knowledge that your prayers not be hindered. Oh, wow. I mean, I got to be nice to my wife. You have to be nice. You have to Connect with other people the right way because it is connected to your relationship with God. First John says, how can you say you love God who you've not seen, but not love your brother who you can see? He who loves God loves his brethren also. And prayer is connected to one another. Whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. Why would he say that? Aren't you in my midst when I'm just by myself? Oh, yeah, but there's something that takes place when a group gathers together. 
I remember when my kids would want to do something. One of them would come up to me and say, Dad, can we go to the park? Or can we go do this? And I'd be busy watching TV or something. It's my day off, you know. I don't know if I can do that right now. No, maybe later. Put them off. Then another one comes. Please, Dad, please. Oh, now I can feel it starts wearing on me. It starts breaking down, you know. And then the wife comes in. <laughs> Come on, hon. Let's go somewhere. Okay. I was worn down. One of them, I could, I could handle one of them. But together, man, they just made this surrounding pass at me. And I was, my resistance was futile, you know. <laughs> together, there is something that takes place. As we gather together and we come before our Heavenly Father and say, God, hear us. God, help us to hear you. It's important. And so they gathered together and they continually devoted themselves to these things, to listening to what the apostles said, to having that common unity together, to breaking bed, remembering the Lord's table and keeping him central and praying together. These things knit their hearts together. It bound them together. And everyone, in verse 43, was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had need. Now, It's important to understand what this is talking about. Remember, you're dealing with a lot of people that have come for the festivals, for the feasts that were there and that were staying there. They didn't want to leave. This has just happened. The the church is just born. They all came together. And it's like to leave, you've got to take, you know, a few days journey, maybe a week's journey to get back home. I don't want to leave. I just found out about this. I want to find out more about Jesus. I want to pray. I want to get together and learn all these things. And so as they stayed there, they were taking care of them. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to put this big pot together and say, okay, everyone, come on, put it all in. We're all going to be a community. It's like, "Uh, I don't know about that. And there's some churches that do things like that. That's not what this is talking about. Okay, it didn't say they had to do this. As needs would arise, they'd say, hey, you know what? I've got some property. I'm going to sell it and we'll be able to take care of you for a week. Don't worry, you don't have to go back home yet. Hang out. Stay here. And they were concerned about each other and taking care of each other while they were there. That's what this is talking about. And they were willing to help. They wanted to do these things. No one was pressuring them. They weren't telling them they have to do that. And, you know, that's still what's happening. Many of you have been a part of helping to get the apartment ready on Randy Street. It's the same thing. Colleen couldn't do the molding. It it wouldn't work. Linda couldn't do electrical. She wouldn't be with us today. 
It took people to come alongside and do these things and helped out. They, they gave as they had and it produced something. That's what we're still doing. And the result of this is what I love. As verse 46 says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Think about that. Praising God, giving praise to God and enjoying the favor of all people. This wasn't exclusive to those who were outside of their fellowship. It was inclusive to everyone. Go through and do a search on the word strangers and outsiders and see what God says about strangers and outsiders. What is his heart towards those who are on the outside? Because he's very concerned. A couple of scriptures. You can turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. We're going to start at verse 5. Colossians 4, 5 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. We, we talked about this when we went through the book of Colossians. Watch out. Be wise in how you act with the outsider. It's important. Because... What we want is to enjoy the favor of the people who are watching us. That they would look at you and say, man, they're doing a good thing. What they're doing is good. Can't argue with that. Turn with me now to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Right there next to you. Turn right. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11. It says, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business. And that doesn't mean, hey, you mind your own business. Okay, that's not what it's talking. It means to take care of the business you're involved with, your work. Okay, we, we've got mind your own business meaning something else. It's take care of the business that you are overseeing. Okay, that's the idea, to mind your own business and to work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of who? Outsiders. And so that you will not be dependent on anybody. See, it's not talking about mind your own business. It's saying take care of your business. Do what's necessary so you won't be a burden to anyone. Because if you're a burden, the outsider is going to look at you and say, ah, man, that guy's a pain in the neck. I don't want anything to do with that. Oh, he's a Christian. Oh, have you guys heard that? It's it's difficult sometimes. I know my wife was talking to someone recently at her work. 
And as she was talking with this person, one of the things they said, you know, every time I talk to this person, they just start blasting me with religion. And I don't believe like them, but they just hammer me and hammer me and hammer me. And I just feel like I don't want anything. to I don't even want to talk to them anymore. They're not being wise. Their, their conversation isn't full of grace, seasoned with salt. It's seasoned with vinegar and cayenne pepper or something. It's just, yeah, that's a combination. And they're not being wise. And you see, these same people sometimes that are just so abrasive are also the ones that are also dependent and needy and asking. That's like, oh man, forget it. But that's not what was happening here. They were taking care of one another. Wow, did you hear what they did? They did these things for those people. That's neat. And they gained favor from all the people. And what is the result of this? The result going back to Acts chapter 2. Verse 47, they praised God, enjoyed the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As they lived the life that Christ promoted, they enjoyed the favor of people, and the Lord was able to add to their numbers. What did they do? They have a campaign. They have a program. They have a series. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to have spotlights outside the church, and you know, that'll make cars crash into the church or whatever. We're going to get everyone to come here. No, they just lived the life that Christ wanted them to live, enjoyed the favor, and people said, "I want to be a part of that." And that's what's before us today. To stay in the apostles' teaching, the scriptures, we have them here. To knit our hearts together in a common purpose of who Jesus is and what he wants to do among us. To keep Christ-centered focal point of our gatherings together. Breaking of bread. To praying. To being generous to one another. Taking care of each other as a family would. We do these things and people are going to say, wow, that's neat. I think I want to be part of that. And the Lord adds to the church. What's great is, what is the church? To their number. It's his body. So really, it all comes back to him. It's Again, it's all intertwined. God is adding to his own body the numbers. It is healthy and it's producing. It is growing. You know, when you intake food, you grow. <laughs> yeah. You know, they did some studies that children actually do grow overnight. That they can grow as much as three quarters of an inch in one night. 
They've done studies where there'll be 30 days where the child won't grow, and then one night the child will grow half an inch. You know how parents always say, it's, yeah, it seems like they've grown overnight. <laughs> it's true. They actually do. They don't just grow a little, little, they'll just have spurts and grow, and that's why they cry so many times. You know, I'm still waiting for mine, you know, to... I can grow three quarters of an inch overnight too, but it's not in height, you know, it's, it's in girth. But when you start eating, you start growing. When you start doing the right thing, you start growing and his body grows. The church grows. The numbers were added. Why? Because the body was healthy and it was doing what it was supposed to do. And so we want to commit ourselves to these things as well. We want to stay in the scriptures. We want to enjoy the common unity that we have in the person of Jesus Christ, keeping him at our focus. And we need to pray. We need to show his generosity to one another and trust him for what is going to happen. We're not here to to make Genesis big. We're here to be the work and body of Christ. Remember I said this at the beginning. We didn't start a church. We are the church. There's a big difference. We don't go to church. We are the church. And this responsibility, these things that they did, there are responsibilities. It's not just a pastor's job, an elder's job. This is our body. What would you like to see take place here at Genesis? Would you like to see, oh, I'd love to see something like those niños con cameras take place. It can. All you got to do is be a part of it. What has God ignited in your heart to do? for his purposes. We share these things. It's part of who we are and we move forward in these things. So let's keep these things central in our lives. Scriptures, getting together, remembering the Lord and praying and taking that, remember, those things aren't isolated. John Wesley said, it is unchristian to be a solitary Christian. Something like that. I misquoted it, but that was the gist of it. (laughs) There's no such thing as a solitary Christian. We are part of a body. Ah, but people are a pain in the neck. I know that's what they told me about you. You know, it's like, (laughs) yeah, that's the way it is. But we need each other. Together. We make the difference. We are a part of his body. And he wants to add to his body to grow as we live the life that he's called us to live. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for this morning again, just for stirring our hearts with uh, that presentation. And once again, recognizing that your heart is reaching out constantly, that you are inclusive, God, that you are not exclusive, that your desire is to reach everyone. You care for everyone. And Lord, I pray that we would care even as you do. 
that we would not look just to our own needs, but to the needs of others, even as you look towards our needs, God. And that we would commit ourselves, Father, not just to you or or to studying, but to gathering together, to keeping you the central focus of our gatherings, to lifting our requests to you, to opening our hearts to you, and, and to being generous to those around us. Lord, who would want to leave something like that? Who wouldn't want to be a part of a group that was doing that? Oh God, it would be a magnet to those who are lost. And so Lord, help us to be that. Help us to commit ourselves and to continually devote ourselves to these things, God. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, your goodness. Be honored here today. We do love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.